as we continue working our way through the New Testament at 2 Corinthians. So we finished up 1 Corinthians uh, last week. Some people thought it never happened, but it did. And we come to 2 Corinthians. Now here's what I love about 2 Corinthians. As we begin to take a look at uh, the next letter that Paul wrote, um, 2 Corinthians is where Paul really is going to share his heart. This is where you see Pastor Paul. He's going to share where his heart's at, you know, the things that are, are going on in his life and his encouragement for the people in Corinth. And that they would realize and recognize God's hand, God's direction, God's blessing on them, but that they also would not be blindsided by the suffering that comes when we follow the Lord. A lot of people have this concept that when you come to Jesus, or if you keep your your mind focused positively enough, then you're not going to experience the negativity of uh, the world. Jesus said, the world hated me, it's going to hate you too. In this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. There's going to be suffering, and in 2 Corinthians... As Paul lays it out, he's going to use five different Greek terms for suffering and what suffering is about and how God equips us through suffering. That's why we sang It Is Well this morning. I, I, I love the story behind the song. I don't know that, um, that I could sit down and write a worship song Telling the Lord it is well after the things he suffered. His, his young uh, uh, son died of a disease uh, while he was ministering in Chicago. He wasn't able to be there. His wife and their two daughters set sail uh, and their ship sunk and his two daughters died. One after the other, he gets a note from his wife, I alone have survived. He gets on a boat to, to head to where his wife is, having lost his son, having lost his daughters. He's destitute. He lost uh, his business. He's lost. Everything was gone. It was like he and his wife starting all over again. Every good thing he ever thought he had. And he sat down and he wrote, It is well with my soul. So as Paul lays out for us the teaching that he has in 2 Corinthians, that's that's what Paul is, is trying to get across, that there's going to be hard times. But in the hard times and in, this, in the difficulties that we face, as those come upon us, as we see those and meet those head on, God is going to give us what we need when we face it. But you and I, we have a choice to make, don't we? I'm reminded of Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 says... Let this mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus. Did you catch the first word, right? Let this mind be in you. Every time we face something that we don't understand, we have a couple of choices. We can follow the example of Judas. Judas, the very first recorded words of Judas are, Why? Or we can... Follow the examples of Christ. In the Garden of Gatshmone in Gethsemane, as He was there praying to the Father, you remember what He said, if there's any other way, that let this cup pass for me. Nevertheless, not me, you. 
And that's the attitude that we have to decide whether or not we're going to take that on. In every trial, in every temptation, in order for it to work, it's perfect work in our life, we will either become bitter and move away from God, or we'll choose to let the mind of Christ dwell within us, and we'll press into the Lord for His strength, His comfort, the things that we need from Him to carry us through the difficulty. Knowing nothing enters my life that doesn't pass through the hands of a God who loves me, good or bad. God knew it was coming, and God didn't stop it because you or I need it. We need what that road is going to take us to. And so we can, in one hand, we can choose to be angry and frustrated with God and, and upset about what God's done or the choices that we've seen occur in our life. Or we can go to the Lord, throw our arms around Him and say, I'm holding on for all I'm worth. Knowing that even as we are in the worst of the worst of the storm, the winds are blowing and all craziness is happening, even if I can't hold on, He'll never let me go. But we have to choose to go to that place. We have to choose to receive that strengthening that God wants to give us. And sometimes that's hard to do. Let's face it, being mad is easier, isn't it? Being mad is, is the easiest thing. I, I, I don't even know when I exactly I learned how to do it, but I know I've been able to do it forever. I never had to, to go to a school and say, I need to take a course on how to get angry. I need to take a course on how to lose self-control and how to flip out. I, I really don't quite have that down. No, you know what? That just pretty much came... That came pretty much out the womb from what I understand. I, was, I started screaming then. I don't know that I've stopped since. But that I have a choice to make, right? I used to tell folks, I still do, when, when we sit down and have times of counseling, I'll share with them, listen, take a look over your last five years. Now, look forward. What do you think is going to be different? If you want something you've never had, you've got to do something you've never done. If you keep driving in the same ruts, you're going to come to the same place. You want to end up somewhere different? You've got to change something. The scripture lays out for us what that change is. Making a choice to press into God for all I'm worth. For all I'm worth, Lord, what do you have for me? God, to trust him implicitly. And that's what Paul is going to try to drive home as we take a look at 2 Corinthians. He begins, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother. Now, I don't want to pass by that. Paul said, an apostle of God, by the will of God. Do you know that when Paul was a little boy, dreaming about what he wanted to be when he grew up, it probably wasn't an apostle? Probably wasn't to, to go through the things that he would go through, to suffer the things that he would suffer. He would have chose a different road altogether. Paul lays out in verse 1, I am what I am by the will of God. And I can rest in that. I can rest in the fact that 
what God has called me, where God has directed me, where God has me right now is part of His will. When I do that, it's a lot easier for me not to be angry about my circumstances. What do you mean? Well, listen, if your circumstances, if you think your circumstances are someone else's fault, you're going to be angry and bitter. A root of bitterness is going to spring up within your soul and it's going to rip you off from the strength and the power that God wants to work in your life. But if you realize I am what I am by the will of God. One time Kathy went down to, to Walmart in the middle of the night when we were still living in California. I don't know. I don't remember why, but she went. And then she called me like 20 minutes later. Someone had slashed all four tires on the van. So I drove out, picked her up, and then we had to go through whatever we needed to do to, to have the insurance, call the insurance, and get the four tires fixed. And I remember driving up to the van and looking. If I see a kid walking out here that just looks happy, <laughs> I'm going to get him. I can allow that to change my attitude. I get to Kathy and I can be angry and frustrated and, and upset. Or I can say, I am what I am. We are where we are by the will of God. There's a point, a purpose, a reason. Why? What's going on? It's, it's not just to destroy me. That's not what God is allowing in our life. He allows things in our life to make us more than what we are. And realizing that our strength is in Him. Our power is in Him. Our ability to achieve is all wrapped up in Him. So we need to realize and recognize the things that we face in our life. Where we are at. I am what I am by the will of God. This is where God has called me. And as far as I'm concerned, they have to carry me out of this place feet first. So it's all about realizing, hey, this is what God has. This is the direction that God is moving. This is what's going on in my life. And resting in that and having the mind of Christ and then rather than complaining about where I'm at, looking to the Lord and saying, God, direct me in this. Show me. Is there someone I need to share with? Help me be a good witness in what I'm going through. I remember still, we, we got a phone call when we were in California. We, uh, Pastor Gerald called us. Uh, we came over, visited with them at his home, and they were listening to messages on the phone machine. And one of the messages said, hey, Cindy, we, we, uh, we need to talk to you. We found a spot on your liver. It was a hospital calling. And we all looked at each other and said, well, that doesn't sound good. We had no idea what it meant. The day that they told her she had pancreatic cancer, and a short of God doing something, you guys know very well, short of God doing something, that's it. It's just time. That's all you're waiting on. How much time are you, are you going to have? I remember the first things Cindy said. Could have said a lot of things. First thing she said, we're standing in the hospital. I want to be a good witness. And that's what she put up on the... On the, the little chalkboard, not chalk, white erase board, you know, that they have in the rooms. I want to be a good witness. And every day when, while she was there in the hospital, when she woke up and she wanted to feel bad or she wanted to complain or she wanted to scream, 
She looked up on a wall and said, I want to be a good witness. She made a choice to press in to God. And God met her there. Gave her the strength that she needed. She was in church every Sunday, sitting in a lazy boy recliner in the front row, as yellow as you can imagine. But she was there. I think she missed one Sunday the whole time. But her goal was not to look at her circumstances and complain, but rather look at her circumstances and say, Lord, help me stand. Help me be what you want me to be. Help me do what you want me to do in this situation. I am what I am. I am where I am. I am who I am by the will of God. It's all about God's fingerprint in our lives. And he writes in, to the church of God who is at Corinth with all the saints who are in all of Achaia. Listen, he says to the church of who? God. Whose church is it? Is it Paul's church? No. Is it Apollo's? No. Mine? No. Whose church is it? God's. It's God's church. All the saints who everywhere call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 2 he says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always love that Paul puts this in his letters. Seven of the 13 letters he has this salutation in it. Grace and peace. Listen, you want to know the peace of God. You want to understand true serenity. You want to understand how to press into the Lord and how to receive from Him strength then you've got to learn how to give grace. Because grace comes before peace. Grace. I'm not going to have peace if I'm bitter at my brother or sister. If I'm angry about a situation. If I don't like something and I'm allowing that to, to define who I am and what I'm about. Then I am not going to experience peace. But when I learn the grace of God... By the grace of God, I am what I am. And so is he. And so is she. And so are they. And I learn to extend the grace that God has given me. And I learn to bask in the peace that Jesus gives. He said, this gift that I give, I don't give it like other people. He said, I'm not an Indian giver. My peace that I give to you, not as the world gives, give I unto you. This peace is a peace that passes understanding. Have you ever said, Lord, I don't understand? Great news. His peace passes understanding. Don't have to understand to experience His peace. We just need to stand in grace. To stand in the grace that God has given us. What does grace mean? Grace is getting something we don't deserve. Well, I just can't love him. He don't deserve it. That's what grace is. Giving what they don't deserve. Isn't that what God in Christ gave us? Grace. What we don't deserve. Freely you have received, then freely give. We extend that grace. We'll experience peace. At the Celebrate Recovery, we've been training and going through things. It's kind of funny how often, while well, we're going through the training for Celebrate Recovery, it's 
seems like it's following things I'm talking about on Sunday morning. One of the things we talked about was serenity. You know, the, the serenity prayer? And it's all about experiencing peace, comfort, tranquility, the, the peace that is all found in Christ. Can I have that and be frustrated and angry and ticked off and running around with a bad attitude? No, I'm not. I'm, I am stirring up for myself junk. The Bible says, Whatsoever a man sows, that will he also reap. If you sow grace, you'll reap grace. Sow love, you'll reap love. If you sow peace, reap peace. If I sow junk, I get junk. So we have to consider the things, the choices that we are making in our life. And then in verse 3, he begins to praise the Lord. To praise the Lord. The, the Lord spoke to my heart, gosh, I, uh, I think it's been three weeks. Been three weeks ago, uh, after the pastor's conference, that the worship team, we would just sit down. Um, uh, Fritz and the, and the guys play on Wednesdays, and I just sat down, and we all gather together on Thursdays where we used to practice, and we just focus in prayer. Praying, God, pour out your spirit. Praying, Lord, do a new work in us. God, make our hearts right. All these things that we're desiring that God would move, that God would, because we know, we believe that we're on the brink, we're right on the edge of a revival, and that revival is going to begin with us, and it needs to begin with us, to begin with us, then to begin with us. So we're calling on the name of the Lord, just praying for that fresh wind and that fresh fire to pour through the, to pour through each of us. And that we all, in the process, myself included, would learn exactly what it is God's looking for in our worship, in our, our attitude of the heart, that, that we would just seek His face. And here Paul, as he begins to talk about the, the hard issues in life, he begins with a word of praise. He says in verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of all mercy and God of all comfort. He begins by praising the Lord. I've shared this story with you guys before. Uh, I coached football for about 10 years. So I got a unique opportunity of of marrying uh, many of doing the marriage ceremony for many of my kids. I didn't marry them, but I did the ceremony for the kids. And if I'd have stayed there, I was looking forward to one day doing one of the kids I coach as kids coming through. But I, I, never, I wasn't there long enough for that. But one of the sad things that I was there long enough for was to do a funeral. To bury one of my kids from a football team. I remember getting the phone call. And I was, I was actually at a, another family's home who, who, who had their little baby had just died. Tragically. And we just had the celebration of life for their baby. And while we're gathered at the reception, I got a phone call. Jake's been in an accident. You need to head down to the hospital. So I hang up a phone and got on the bike, went down to, to the hospital, pulled in. The family's all outside. So I walk up, you know, and we're waiting for word and, and we're praying. And, and the doctor comes out and says, hey, we need to move you guys. Just so you know. That's not ever a good thing. 
So they put us into a side room. And the doctor said, listen, we're going to try for five or ten more minutes. But if we can't get him back, we're going to let him go. So we just hit our knees praying. Hit our knees. Lord, do this. Father, bring him back. He was 21, 20, 21. Freak accident. Just fell off a motorcycle, landed on his chest just right and ruptured the, his breastbone. And we didn't know it yet, but pieces of his bone were in his heart. And so they're doing everything they can, try to get him back. And in 10 minutes, the doctor comes walking back in. He don't have to say nothing. If he's coming in with good news, he looks different than when he's coming in with bad. And he come in, didn't even have to say a word. The, the boy's mom started crying. His wife started crying. Uh, the, their little baby was already crying. And the dad stopped lifted up his hands before he did anything else. He said, Lord, I don't understand why this has happened, but I praise you for who you are. Everything in that room changed. Everything in that room changed. It was hard. It was hard. It's still hard for him. I still see him when, whenever we're around and there's a football game. His dad still goes. He's got... Three other kids still coming up and playing. They're still playing football on the football team. And every time he goes, it reminds him of his oldest boy that's not there no more. But he made a choice to praise God. And in that is the secret to changing the attitude and having the mind of Christ. Choose praise. I don't have to understand. If God wants me to understand... I'll get understanding down the line. But it's the peace that passes understanding, right? It's the peace that passes understanding. It's the, the ability in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 to trust in the Lord with all my heart and lean not into my own understanding. And all my ways acknowledge Him and He'll direct my path. So as we take a look, that's the heart. He chooses to praise. And He praises the Father of mercies. The Father of mercies. Getting what you don't deserve and not getting what you do deserve. That's the difference. Grace, getting what you don't deserve. Mercy, not getting what you do. What do we deserve? Justice. If God is a God of justice and he meted out justice perfectly, we'd all be in trouble, wouldn't we? But by the blood of Jesus Christ, he makes us right. He's the father of all mercy. He's the God of all comfort. Hey, that word comfort is interesting. In the Greek, it's the word paraklesis. You ever heard that word paraklesis? You ever heard the word paraclete? The Holy Spirit is the comforter, the paraclete. Paraclesis, it means literally to come alongside and strengthen. The Father of all mercies and the God of all comfort who will come alongside and strengthen. Strengthen when we are too weak, when things are too hard. He wants to strengthen us. Verse 4, who comforts us in all our tribulation. There's the first Greek word used of suffering. Thalipsis. In all our tribulation. Thalipsis means oppressing. It's like being in a pressure cooker. 
You ever felt like you're in a pressure cooker? Things are turning up. Life is just full of pressure. He says, listen, who comforts us in all our tribulation, all the pressures that we face, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble. See, God says, I'm going to use your hurt to minister to someone else's need. God uses my failure all the time for Kathy and I to minister to people who have or are currently going through some of the same kind of issues we've been through. That father who lost his son. Remember I told you we were at a funeral for a baby who had perished tragically? The next day, that mom and dad of the baby were at his house. Ministering life. Offering comfort. Because they could understand how he felt and what he was going through. They could understand what was going on in his heart. Because of the things they suffered, God strengthened them to comfort someone else. That's what God wants us to do as a body. The things we go through. God never wastes a hurt. If you're willing, God will use them all and bring people in your life that you can minister to. The pressures of life. He will give us comfort so that we can comfort those who are in any trouble. With the comfort which we ourselves are also comforted by God. We are comforted by God. We give. God wants us to receive and give. He doesn't just want us to receive. It's not about me. It's not about what I get. It's not about how I feel. It's about God strengthening me so I can touch someone else. It's about God showing love to me so I can show love to someone else. It's about God giving me peace so I can extend peace to someone else. It's about God giving me grace so I can give grace to someone else. He doesn't give it to us for us to hold. He wants it to pass through our lives to someone else. So the things that we go through, He wants us to be able to comfort others. Verse 5, For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. Here's a a nifty, kind of cool little lesson in Greek. For as is the word kathos. So is the word sutos. You have for as the sufferings and so are consolation. Whenever kathos and sutos are used together, the second element matches the first. What's that mean? It means the consolation that you're given for the suffering that you face is equal to the task. God gives you what you need to overcome. We've read in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, right, that no temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. But with every temptation, trial, fiery darts that we face, he gives us what? A way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Here he says, for as the sufferings of Christ are, are upon us, And again, that's a different word we'll get to in a minute. But as those are upon us, so also is the consolation. As we face the fire, so also Christ is with us. Right? Rack, shack, and Benny. Nobody has veggie tails? Rack, shack, and Benny, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, young Hebrew children, young Hebrew youths, won't bow before this mighty golden altar that's been built by King Nebuchadnezzar. King Nebuchadnezzar says, listen, if you don't bow, I'm throwing you in the fire. And they said, oh, king, live forever. But we're not going to bow. And our God is able to deliver us from your hand. But even if he doesn't, I'm not going to bow. So pounce hand. By the way, that's a Jackie paraphrase. So King Nebuchadnezzar was filled with indignation and wrath. And he heated the fire up seven times hotter than it had ever been before. And he took his best soldiers and they grabbed grabbed Rack, Shack, and Benny. And they took him to to the furnace and they died. You know what the Bible says? The soldiers died, didn't they? I have a question for you. How did Rack, Shaq, and Benny get in the fire then? Yeah. Why did they walk in themselves? Who was in there? Jesus. Uh, wasn't great. And I'm sure it was scary opportunity for them. But what happened in the fire? Their bonds were burned away. The things that they were in bondage to. The ropes that kept them bound up and restricted their abilities are burned away. Uh, Now, as soon as they found out they weren't burning, did they just come running out? No, the story says they just hung out with Jesus in the fire. As are sufferings, so are consolation. Whatever we go through, whatever we face... God will be there and strengthen us to go through it. Whatever we face, God will be there to strengthen us to go through it. But listen, if when I'm going through it, I choose bitterness, anger, wrath, clamor, then I'm functioning in the old man and the consolation of Christ is still there, but I'm not standing in that place. I'm angry and I'm frustrated and I'm I'm just ticked at God and I'm angry at Him and so I'm not experiencing the peace of God. But if I let the mind of Christ dwell in me and I say, I am what I am by the grace of God, by the will of God I am in this furnace, what do you have for me, Lord? Watch the ropes burn off. Watch you experience freedom like you never thought possible inside a time of suffering. Watch God be the strength in your feeble knees and in your weak arms so that you feel like, I can't stand. I don't know what to do. I can't stand. But yet, you have brothers and sisters and people that come alongside you and stand with you and say, we'll get through this. And you experience a peace of God that surpasses understanding. That's what we want to experience. For as the sufferings... Now this word suffering here in verse 5, it's the word pathema. Pathema. It is the idea of suffering because of your relationship with Christ. We have thalipsis, pressure, right? Sometimes life is just a pressure cooker. Lost my job. I need work. The bills are mounting up. Pressure. That's thalipsis. Pathema means that you're suffering persecution because of your faith for Jesus Christ. That's what he's talking about there. So as you face those things, the consolation of Jesus Christ is right there with us. And in that consolation is our ability to help others. 
because of the consolation that Jesus Christ pours out in us, we are able to help someone else. Hey, man, God was there for me. He's going to be there for you. Coming alongside, praying, lending a helping hand. That's what we're all about. That's what serving the Lord is all about. Now, he says in verse 6, Now, if we are afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effective for enduring the same sufferings which we also suffer. Or if we are comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. Now, if, in this sense, means sense. Since we are afflicted, since we are afflicted and we, and we face this, it's for your consolation. Paul says, what I'm going through is so that I can comfort you. Now I can tell you, hey, God was there with me, and as that persecution comes upon you, God's going to be there with you. As you go through the pressure cooker of life, God will be there. But we must choose to let the mind of Christ dwell in us. As the sufferings of this world are coming upon us, we face these tragedies in our life, the consolation, the strength that God gives you will carry you through, and He wants you to pour that out to someone else. And to realize what I'm going through is so that I might minister to someone else, so that I might minister to someone who has a need. So as this storm rages in our life, we should be looking for an opportunity. For an opportunity to come alongside someone else. And to realize God has given us the strength that we need. He will give us what we need so that we can endure the same suffering. How many times have you looked at something somebody else has gone through and said, man, I don't think I could do that. I don't think I could deal with that. But what the Lord is saying is, He gives you the endurance you need. So that you can. So that you can make it through. So that you can uh, arrive at the other end. In fact, if you turn to Hebrews chapter 10, there's a, there's a, uh, a verse, Hebrews chapter 10, I, I love to, uh, to take a look at, beginning in verse 35. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35 says, Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. Confidence in Jesus Christ. Confidence, even though I'm going through all these struggles. In, in context, in Hebrews chapter 10, the, the, these believers are going through this time. Where they're, they're being stripped of their goods. People are stealing their rights. They're ripping them off. All these bad things are happening to them. But Paul is, is saying, or the writer of Hebrews is laying out, Hey, guys, listen, don't lay aside, don't lay aside or cast away your confidence. Like what we've been talking about in 2 Corinthians. The consolation is equal to the suffering. The comfort, the strength that God gives is equal to the task that we face. We must choose to stand in the mind of Christ. To allow that mind to to work in us. Look at verse 36 of chapter 10 in Hebrews. For you have need of endurance. You know you have need of endurance? Hey folks, this, this life is not a sprint. It's a marathon. And right now, I can't even sprint very good, let alone do a marathon. You have need of endurance. So that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. 
Now the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. So that after you have done the will of God, you will receive the promise for yet a little while. And he who is coming will come and will not tarry. So what are we supposed to do? We're in the storm. We're facing this difficulty. Then we look to Jesus Christ. We look to the promise of his coming. Listen, remember I've told you about the disciples before. Jesus said, guys, go to the other side of the the lake. And he went in the ship and he fell asleep in the Sea of Galilee. And as they rode across, they ran into a storm. And the storm's blowing and the the disciples all panic. And they go underneath and they say, Lord, don't you care? We're perishing. Were they perishing? No. They have need of endurance. So they're going to learn endurance. How are they going to learn it? Well, Jesus says comes up and says peace be still what happened to the storm it's gone a little while later jesus tells his disciples go to the other side of the sea of galilee i'll meet you over there okay they get in the boat they row across jesus goes on top of this tall mountain where he can see all of the sea of galilee to pray he goes on a mountain to pray and the disciples are rowing and they get a course in the middle of the lake and what happens again a big storm Now what do they do? They keep rowing. Why do they keep rowing? They understand what endurance means. Endurance means at any moment Jesus can say, peace be still. Until that time, do I need to be afraid? Whose hands am I in? I'm in God's hands. So I row. Keep rowing. And what happened? They saw a figure walking on the water, thought it was a ghost. Peter said, Lord, if that's you, bid me come. The Lord said, come. Peter jumped out and walked on the water. Jesus walked to them in the midst of the storm. Was he there? Was he far away? Was he where he couldn't help them? No, he was right there with them. He was right there with them. We have need of endurance so that we can do, so that we can... Go through this life and not be disappointed by the way things turn out. Anybody ever get disappointed? Hey, I get disappointed. I'm disappointed about my Harley right now. (laughs) So, anyhow, I digress. So we look, now turn the page in Hebrews chapter 10. Let's look at Hebrews chapter uh, 12, verse 1. Therefore... We also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and that sin that easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. How did he tell us to run? With endurance, right? With endurance. Does that mean it's just going to be real quick and it's over? No, that's not what I have learned of endurance. You'd be amazed what you can live through, by the way. When I was in the Marine Corps, in boot camp in the Marine Corps, I was pretty certain some of the things we did was going to kill us. But I didn't die. And I remember a drill instructor yelling at me, nobody's ever died from this. And I was pretty sure he was lying when he said that. <laughs> but we had need of endurance. And we learned endurance. How? By the things we suffered. Isn't that interesting? That's how we work. That's how we work. 
He says, now how are we going to have endurance? He says, lay aside every weight, anything that's holding us back, and the sin that so easily ensnares you. Remember I said, okay, we, we want to have the consolation of Christ, His comfort, His strength. But, but sometimes that suffering drives us to bitterness. Well, in that case, bitterness is a sin that so easily ensnares. It's ensnaring me and keeping me from experiencing what God wants me to experience of His strength. So what does He say? Lay aside that sin. Lay aside bitterness. Lay aside all that junk that separates you from standing and being where God wants you to be. And stand in that place and receive what God has for you. The strength that we need to overcome. And the key, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider Him who endured such hostility from sinners against Himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your soul. So who are we supposed to look to? Who's our example? Remember Philippians 2, let the mind of Christ be in you. Who's our example? Jesus Christ. Did He quit? Did He get on the cross and say, you know what, that's been 15 minutes and I'm tired of the things these people are saying to me. Forget about it, I'm out of here. No. He was committed, right? Fully. Utterly. Unlike you or I, he could have come down off the cross. But he stayed. For you and for me. And by the strength he receives from the Lord to face the things he faced, we also receive the strength to face the things we face. Equal to the task that's lying before us. In 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verse 7, And our hope for you is steadfast, because we know that as you are partakers of the suffering, so also you will partake of the consolation. As you experience suffering, so also you will receive the strength that you need. In Romans chapter 5, I want you to listen to this and We'll close it up right here. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Remember what we're looking for? Serenity, peace, comfort, tranquility in the midst of the storm. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. That's past tense. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. The peace is there. Through whom also we have access by faith into His grace. His grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We have grace, peace, hope. And not only that, we also glory in tribulation. Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. Philipsis, pressure. The pressure The pressures of life, the pressures we go through, produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, character, hope. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God is poured out in our heart by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. We face the things we face, struggles we face, the suffering we're going through, whatever it might be, whatever it is, those things come, along with it comes the strength of God to carry us through. But you and I, we got to lay aside the weight 
and the sin that so easily ensnares us and let the mind of Christ be in us and experience the peace that God's already given because you've been justified by faith. You've given your your life to Jesus Christ. You made Him your Lord and Savior. You are justified, made just as if you'd never done it. And through that justification, you already have peace. If you don't experience it, we're not standing in it. We're standing in something else. We need to lay it aside. We need to throw it down. We need to wad it up and put it at the feet of Jesus. Jesus said, my burden is easy. My yoke is light. He wants us to lay our burdens with Him. His yoke means we are to be yoked together with Him. If you and Jesus are carrying a load, trust me, you're going to be okay. You're going to have the energy you need to do it because you're yoked to Him. We want to stand and experience that peace. But that peace, the ability for us to stand in that peace, we've got to be given out grace. Not judgment, grace. Give out grace, experience peace. The strength that God gives you to face the things that you're going to face is going to be exactly what you need. It's all about how we look at it. This suffering, this present suffering is not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. See, God's working a much greater work of glory. We can't even understand. But we have need of endurance. For when it's all said and done, will they hear Christ's heartbeat in you? There's a mom and a dad had a little boy a lot of dreams for him. But one day there was a terrible accident. They were called to go to the emergency room. They went. The doctors met him right there and said, Listen, there's nothing we can do for your son. We, we can't save him right now. He's on life support. But there's another boy up a couple of floors who's dying right now because his heart is messed up. And if you'll give us the okay, we've already checked. They're the right type. We'll be able to take your son's heart and give life to another boy. But we can't save yours. And the mom and dad said, okay. Can we wait and hear how it went? The doctor says, yeah. So they waited in the waiting room and doctor came in a little while and said, I'm sorry, your son is, is gone. But the boy who needed the heart, he's doing well. So far, everything looks good. And the mom said, hey, can I, can I meet the parents of the boy? And the doctor said, well, let me check with them. And he went and talked to them. And they said, sure, we'd love to meet them. So they, they put them together. And the mom just hugged each other. One mom, actually both moms weeping for different reasons. One for the gift of life. One for losing her son. And the mom asked, the mom whose son had died, asked a strange question. She said, hey, would it be okay if I went into the room where your boy is? I lay my head on his chest. I want to hear my son's heartbeat one more time. 
So she said, yeah, go. She did it. Don't you see the picture? One day, God's going to lay his head on your chest so he can hear his son's heartbeat one more time. So when we're going through the difficulty in the hospital thinking we're not going to make it, realize who it was that gave us everything we need. Amen? Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we thank you for this time. We can gather before you. Lord, we thank you for an opportunity to allow your word to affect us, God. Father, as we stand before you, we truly believe, God, that you want to do something unique here through this body, through us. But God, you've, you've called us specifically to, to four weeks to just really look to you and really say, God, I need to take care. I need to purge. I need, there's junk in my life. There's things that are keeping me from experiencing the strength that you have, the strength that will enable me to share my faith with others, the strength that will help me make a difference in my community. Maybe it's because of things we've gone through and hurts. And we're hung up on those hurts and the pain that we've had in our life and we're, we've not let it go. I thank you, Lord, that your son gave me his heart. And whatever peace I need, whatever grace I need, whatever love I need, it's already been given to me. And if I'm not experiencing it, then I'm not standing in it. So Lord, help me. Cast aside the weight, the sin, and stand in that place where people can hear the heart of Jesus Christ beating in my chest, where people can hear you in my voice, where they see you in me. God, make that a work that you want to do in each and every one of us. God, that we come to you. We want to see you move. But God, you you lay out for us. Every move of God begins with judgment in the house of God. So purge us with hyssop. Make us clean. Equip us to be who you're calling us to be. Father, we're so excited at the opportunities that you lay out for us. But in order to be equipped and prepared for those opportunities, help us to deal with the bitterness and whatever we're holding on to that's keeping us out of the grace and the peace and the strength, God, that you've given. Help us lay them down at the foot of your cross so that you might be glorified as we seek your face, your way. 
We lay this day before you, God, and we pray that you would do that perfect work. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask if the, if the elders...